Ryan, I'm one of the pastors here at the Parks Church, and so good to uh, see everyone this morning. Welcome uh, some of you back from uh, first visit with us last weekend. We're so glad that you returned and are here with us again. And um, as I think about Easter, I don't know about you, it, it, I don't know if I might be the only one. As we get older, I know this is, we're tempted to want to kind of get rid of this, but anybody else like their birthday to just continue on and just have, you know, maybe uh, longer than just one day, kind of disappointed when that birthday is over? I know some of you have birthday weeks. Some of you are so amazing. You have birthday months, I've heard, yeah, and like goes on and on and on. And, you know, uh, that's a, a, an understandable desire. <clears throat> but if you think about us, uh, when we think of ourselves as Christians, you know, we get uh, excited. We celebrate Easter, and it's right that we do that. It's right that we celebrate that day. It's right that we remember the victory of Christ. Um, but let just be reminded this morning that Easter is not a single day event. Easter is life for the Christians. The power of the resurrection at work in our lives daily. We celebrate this and, and have a big celebration, but we need to remember the victory of Christ every single day of our lives. Because if we really believe in Easter, if we truly believe in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered sin and death for all time, then we shall not die. And what would there be more to celebrate? Any more exciting than even a birthday? or any other holiday that might come around that gets us excited, the fact that we cannot, shall not die because of the power of Christ is something worthy of remembering and being excited about every single day of our lives. And it's that excitement, it's that love, it's that care, it's the reality, the knowledge of, of that truth that propels us in mission and propels us to worship Christ and to live for him day in and day out. And so perhaps if you've maybe found yourselves and you've struggled even since last Sunday, and you're replaying, as I just said, perhaps the enemy or just even in your flesh, Monday through Saturday, you recognize that, man, I, I, I've, I've struggled, I've stumbled, I've not uh, followed Christ in that. The thing to remember is remember the power of his resurrection, that one, even in that, you are not forsaken or forgotten or left, but also the next day, moving forward, it's remember tomorrow, remember the power of his resurrection, the victory of his resurrection. That is what propels us forward. That's what gives us hope every single day. As Paul said, and I quoted last week, if the resurrection isn't true, we are a people much to be pitied, but because it is true, we have life, we have joy, and we have it everlasting. So I pray that this week and just as you continue forward, don't lose sight of Easter as we make our way on the calendar further and further away from the celebration of Easter. Remember that day, moment by moment, day by day. Remember who Christ is and the victory that he has given us. So we're going to continue our study 
and Daniel, and if you uh, haven't been with us in the last couple weeks, or, or have been with us a couple weeks, been on break from that with our baptism uh, service, and then last week celebrating Easter, and, uh, but we are going to pick back up in that. We're in Daniel chapter 8, so if you have a Bible with you, you want to turn to Daniel chapter 8, you can do that. If you don't own a Bible, there's one under the first seat of every row of our chairs there. You can reach underneath and grab a Bible, and, um, and if you don't own one, then that's our gift to you, by the way. Just take that with you, and if that one's a little bit ragged from use, just go find the newer one that you can take home. You can just trade those out. We want you to have a Bible um, at your house that you can readily use, and so please find uh, a Bible if you don't own one. The text that I'll be referencing and reading will also be behind me on the screen. But in Daniel, we are given, as we've said all throughout this series of teaching, that Daniel is given to us, was written to Daniel, and the visions and all of the words were given to Daniel to give him and his people hope while they were in the midst of exile. Just a very short recap, if you've missed it or haven't been with us in the past, Daniel and his friends and really the people of Israel are taken captive by an evil king in Babylon, taken to a foreign nation, enslaved in that nation, put to work. Daniel and his friends sort of gain favor with the king because of Daniel's gifts and abilities given to him by God. But through that, he is established as a leader in the nation. But he is still in exile, and he is still under persecution, and kings have come and gone as we've worked our way through this book. Daniel is retelling for us the story of kings that God has brought into power, raising some up, taking others down. And last that we were in Daniel in chapter 7, we we read and discussed one of the great visions, the great vision of Daniel chapter 7. It's a Bible passage that has been studied and looked at and and, and, and tried to um, kind of Uh, uncover and decode what it is that Daniel was talking about and the future vision that God had given him. But what we learned in that is that Daniel was given this vision to remind him, to give him and his people hope while they were in exile. God was telling Daniel, let me just show you, Daniel, you are here in this moment in time. Let me give you a vision for all of the end of time and how I will move and how I will take kings up and I will set kings up and then I will take them down. Rulers and authorities, powers will come and go. But I, God, your God, am the one who hold all things in my hands. That is the message of Daniel chapter 7, and we can go through and and understand and kind of extrapolate, okay, this king and this vision, this uh, statue or portion of the statue is in reference to these kingdoms and this timeline of history. But the big picture is to remind us that we have hope. In spite of what Daniel was experiencing in his life, we have hope. And for us, we too From the beginning of this series, we've talked about we have to understand that we also, like Daniel, although it doesn't feel like we are enslaved in the same way that he is, we are also exiles. This world, this life, all of the things that it has to offer us, this is not our home. We are created, raised to life in Christ, and welcomed into the kingdom of God. A future kingdom, a kingdom that already is here, but is also not completely here. The already, but not yet. We look forward to a future hope, the kingdom being fulfilled. And so as we live this life, we are going to deal with the ups and downs, the trials and the persecutions and all of the challenges that this life can bring. And God wants to remind us, God used Daniel chapter 7 to remind us that he is sovereign over all of these things, that he's bigger than those things. 
As we turn to Daniel chapter 8, we're going to get a narrowing of the vision, another vision that came about three years later in Daniel's life. God gives Daniel another vision, and it's more focused in time. As I said, from chapter 7, it took place, the, the vision essentially showed Daniel from his captivity in Babylon all the way until the end of time, until God would establish his kingdom forever. But in Daniel chapter 8, we get a narrowing of this vision. And we're reminded once again that the sovereign God establishes not just the boundaries of the waters of the sea, but also the boundaries of kings and kingdoms. And that he will set himself up and that he will ultimately have the victory. Let me read for you in Daniel chapter 8. I'm going to begin in the middle. And I'm going to begin with the interpretation. So Daniel, three years after he received the vision from chapter 7, he was given another vision from God, and he explains the vision. But then in 15, Daniel is given the interpretation. So I'm going to begin with the interpretation where we're given clarity on what this vision meant. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uliah and called it Gabriel. Make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and made me stand up. He said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. As for the ram that you saw, this was in his vision, as for the ram that you saw with two horns, there are the kings of Media and Persia, and the goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn between his eyes is the first king. As for the horn that was broken, in place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. His power shall be great, but not by his own power." And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. In his own mind, he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many. And he shall even rise up against the prince of princes and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true, but seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. Now, that all sounds very complex, and I didn't read for you the entirety of the vision as it was initially given to Daniel, but just the interpretation of that vision. But essentially what we see here is that Daniel is seeing a vision of a king, an evil king that God will allow to rise up and to take over. And we know that he is going to come after the king of Media and Persia and of Greece and interpreters and, and all of those that have studied this text understand that it is pretty much um, agreed upon that this is a king named Antiochus. And Antiochus is an evil king, an evil king that degraded the temple and persecuted God's people greatly. 
an evil king like no kings really had ever been seen before in terms of all the evil and the destruction that he brought to his people. And so he arises after these powers have come. But in verse 23, here's essentially he gives us a summary, begins to give us a summary of these events. There is an evil king, and at the latter end of their kingdom, when these others, Media and Persia and Greece, have fallen away, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. Then in verse 24, his power, this new king, his power shall be great, but not by his power, not alone. He's allowed to have this power, and he shall cause fearful destruction, and it shall succeed in what he does. This evil king will come onto the scene and he will have success in the evil that he decides and desires to do, the destruction that he decides to bring to life, the killing all of God's people, the desecration of the temple. All of these things will happen under Antiochus' hand. And so Daniel is, as he says there in the end, sick to think about this future. He's already in exile, and God is showing him, Daniel, let me just tell you, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better initially. It's going to continue to get worse. But then he gives him some hope in verse 25. Look what he says there in 25. But he, by his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind... In his own mind, he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many, and he shall rise up against the prince of princes. But guess what? He shall be broken by no human hand. God tells Daniel, in spite of this future that will be bad, will be painful, will lead to the destruction of his people, that God, not a human hand, will come and take this king down, but God himself will take this king and he will put an end to him as well. That little horn of Daniel's vision will rise up, will destroy and will kill, and then God will put an end to it. That's hope for us. I know that sounds bleak, But here's the reality of our world, and we see this. This, we can look backwards in time and look at the history, and if you want to this week, take some time and go read about King Antiochus. Read about Media and Persia and Greece and those kings and how they came and all of the things that they did, and then how in God's timing, they found their end. They now are dead, and God is still alive, and God has the victory We can look backwards in history and see that this is true and that ultimately what God prophesied would happen did happen. There's also a future for us. As Frank read, Jesus talked about this reality in 2 Thessalonians. Paul, recounting this truth to us, talks about this this other future for us. And so we can parallel these two texts. We can parallel Daniel chapter 8 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and see the evil king coming against Daniel and his people and all the destruction that he will bring, seemingly limitless destruction, but according to God, in his own timing, he will take him down. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Frank read for us tells us a similar story, tells us of the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist who will come and will persecute 
and will destroy the people of God. I'll read again for you now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together in him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to form in us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Just before Paul tells the church of this Antichrist, the man of lawlessness in the future that is coming, he's saying, don't be mistaken. This is something for the future. They had begun to believe that perhaps right now in our own time, in their own time, and we can begin to believe sometimes in our own time that this is happening, but God was, or, uh, Paul was telling the church, wait, it's, there's a future here. Don't be deceived. In verse three, he continues, let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. What does he do? Proclaiming himself to be God. Sometimes we're tempted to believe that as we look at our world and we see all of the effects of evil and the brokenness that exists, we begin to think, this is as bad as it's going to get. Surely the Lord is quick to return. And we pray that the Lord Jesus would return and put an end to this. But brothers and sisters, it's going to get worse. It's going to get more and more challenging. Just last weekend on Easter Sunday, hundreds of our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka were murdered for their faith. That happens on a weekly, if not sometimes it seems like a daily basis. The world is coming apart. Evil seems to be ramping up. And if we're not careful, we can become people who forget that God is still sovereign. We can forget the hope that we have in Christ. And we can see all of the pain and all of the destruction that exists around us. We can take that home to a personal level and we can see just the pain that exists sometimes in our own homes, whether it's due to sickness, marriage, professional challenges, relationship challenges, friend situations. We can see all of the destruction and the evil and we can begin to think and we can lose hope, forgetting that God is sovereign, that he is still on his throne. Remember, why did God give Daniel this vision? Why did God foretell the people this is coming. He wanted to warn them, but he also wanted to encourage them. How many of you have faced something that you knew would be hard? Were you grateful that you had some warning that this is going to be a little bit of a challenge, that this is going to be painful, that there is going to be some hard things coming? Sometimes those things just come and hit us upside the head and we have no warning. But I know for me personally, I like to have a little bit of a warning and knowing this is going to be a challenge. There's some pain that's coming your way. I think of, some of you guys know that I, I cycle as a hobby. I know that I don't always look that way, but I do do that periodically, all right? And, uh, and that's something that I really enjoy. And periodically I sign up to go ride my bicycle for 100 miles or more on a day. I like to know in my mind that that is coming, and I understand that there is pain and suffering that's associated with that. There's victory in the end, but in the inter interim, about mile 78 through 96, I want to die, and I ask for Jesus to return in that moment. But I like to be told, I like to know that that pain is coming and the suffering that is going to come. And because I do know experientially that that is happening, that that is coming for me, I can see my way through it. I know that if I can just make it to 96, those last four miles, 
I'm going to have a lot more people around me. There's going to be the energy of the finish line. I'm like a horse going back to the barn. I get me home and I can make it. We need to be reminded that in this day in our lives, we are going to see, we do see these pains, the suffering, the destruction of the world, but there is going to be harder things coming for us. And we as the people of God, thinking backwards to Easter, need to remember the victory and the power of the resurrection because there's going to be a time when that's the only hope that we have. We're going to think to ourselves, there is nothing that is good about this situation. There's nothing hopeful that I can think of. I, I, see, I, I see nothing but darkness, bleakness, brokenness, hurt, pain, and suffering in front of me, God. In that moment, what is the thing that will propel us forward? It's the remembrance of the victory of Jesus. It's to remember the power of the resurrection day in and day out. It's to remember that although we see and we know as has been prophesied that there is an evil one, the man of lawlessness, that it has been told to us who will come and will make things even worse than they are today, we can remember that God measures his time. The one who is not measured by time confines him to a specific time. There is evil in the world. We need to remember just in the same way there was an evil king that Daniel was told about in Daniel chapter 8, verse 23, there's evil in this world. The evil that existed in Daniel and his life told about in verse 24, the evil king persecuting God's people. There is a man of lawlessness. There is an evil that is going to be released upon us, upon the world, and it's going to be very painful. We've got to learn to live in the brokenness and live in, in, in this world that is dying and know that this isn't our home and to put our hope somewhere else. One of the things that God is doing through this is he's preparing us for the battle to come. You know, in military training, the training is never as fierce, as painful, as hard as the battle itself. That's the reason that they train repetitiously over and over and over and over and over again, executing all of the tasks that they are given over and over and over again. I can promise you until they want to bang their heads against the wall, why do we practice doing this? Because when the battle comes, it's reaction. It's like sitting on the doctor's table and he hits your knee and the reflex goes. We need to have a reflex when hard things, when painful things, when challenging things, when the evil rears up and we see on Easter Sunday morning brothers and sisters in the world being murdered for their faith, we need to have a reaction that says, but Jesus is greater and his resurrection power is still at work in this world. We need to have a reaction that says we go to God and remember that he is the one who creates the boundaries of time. He confines, and whatever we are experiencing is all rests and sits under his sovereign hand. Because notice how Paul ends this reminder of the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians. It's interesting, it's, it's a beautiful thing that he describes. I'm gonna pick up in verse eight. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth 
and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. We tend to think that when we see evil, when we come face to face with evil, that we must do something about it. And there are times for us to take a stand. There are times for us to use our voices and our feet and our hands to push back against the forces of darkness. But we need to remember that we are not the ones who will have the victory. It is Jesus who has had and who will have the victory. Have you ever destroyed? The only thing I've ever destroyed with my breath is a dandelion. And I think in some weird way, I'm actually serving its purposes because right when I blow on that thing and those seeds go everywhere, they just go and plant themselves more elsewhere. Is that right? I'm not a biology major, clearly. Have you ever destroyed anything other than really early in the morning with a breath? Seriously, with your breath, with Jesus' breath, he will arrive and evil will no longer exist at all. In the same way that God said, let there be light, and he spoke this world into existence, Jesus will return, and when he returns and he breathes, he doesn't even have to speak. When he breathes, evil will no longer exist. There will be nothing left to fear. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the power of his resurrection. And so when we face evil, no, we're not going to be able to breathe on it and cause it to stop. We're not going to be able to always push back and vic- have victory over it or win that day. But we can place our hope in the one who will. We can put our hope in the one who has secured it for us. We can remember his promise from John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In the world you will have tribulation. Brothers and sisters, I would love to tell you that you will have nothing but sunshine and roses, rainbows and unicorns. That's not the truth. I would love to tell you if you do not know Christ this morning and you maybe are sitting there wondering why is it that this man is going on and on about this guy, Jesus? I'd love to tell you that if you put your hope and your faith in Jesus, the one who will at a breath end all evil for all time, that everything in your life would be great, but it does, that's not the truth. The reality is is that evil reigns and God in his sovereignty allows evil to exist in this world. There are hard things that come our way. There are painful things. There are challenging things. But our hope is in Christ. We will have tribulation. But in the midst of tribulation, how is it that we can still have peace? We can have peace because Jesus has overcome the world. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. Receive it in your heart, deep in your soul. Take heart and know that Jesus has overcome it all. And one day, whether we see it here on earth or we see it from our eternal home, one day, Jesus will return. And at his breath, evil will cease to exist forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. 
I want you to say this with me. It's not on, on the screen behind me, so we're just going to test your power of memory. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You're saying that a little bit sheepishly. You're not saying that with the level of joy and excitement that we should say that with. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Amen. Yes, amen. That's the truth, friends. That's the hope that we have. Whatever it is that you're dealing with in this life, it will get worse. I know that's not what you want to hear from this stage, but it will get worse. But one day, it will finally and forever be better than it's ever been before. We will have tribulation. But because of Jesus, he has overcome the world. And our lives are secure in his grip forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that this word is true. I just rejoice, God, in knowing that though I will have trials and tribulation, though I see the existence of evil, as my brothers and sisters around the world and even sometimes here at home are killed for their faith, as I see millions upon millions of babies murdered in their wounds. As I see people coming against their own people and hate and anger and vitriol just being the common language of the day. God, I thank you that in spite of all those things that I see and in spite of knowing that those things will probably only get worse. I thank you that I have hope. My hope is not crushed. I can have joy. What a miracle that I, I can have joy in spite of what I experience in life. I can face death and still have joy. Thank you that that's true because you have overcome the world, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the vision that you gave Daniel. I thank you that your word is true, that we can look back in history and we can see how you did exactly what you said you would do in this ancient book but this living book. So I thank you that even as we look forward to the prophecies of your words from Matthew, your word to Paul and the church in Thessalonica, I thank you that we can look forward and know that whatever you've said in that is also true. And in spite of what we see, in spite of all the things that might come against us, we can know that you will one day, just as you rose from the grave, you will one day return. And at your return, you won't even have to speak. You will breathe life 
and evil and death and everything that falls in its wake will be over, will be ended forever. So I pray now, Lord Jesus, for my brothers and sisters that some personal level I, I, could, I can't begin to know all the, the pain and all the, all the tribulation that they are experiencing but as I spoke I'm sure that as I spoke about trials and tribulations something stuck in their hearts something from this morning something from yesterday something from this week something that's coming for them in the weeks ahead their minds and their hearts turned to that and they thought about that trial they thought about that tribulation and they wondered, what do you have to say about that? I pray now, Holy Spirit, would you remind them that you will have the victory? I pray that as they think and remember the victory that you will have, that is in, not in doubt, is not a question, that that, that will sustain them Word doesn't promise us that the evil will go away right now, that the pain and the challenges will just end as we put our faith in you. No, your word promises us that we can have peace because we know that you have overcome the world. And so I pray in Jesus' name, his peace reign over his people. Would you give us peace? Help us to remember when we face tribulation this week, that you have overcome the world, Lord Jesus. And we thank you. We rejoice that that is true. We love you. We praise your holy and mighty name. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 10.30 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.